All right, if you will, turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Our Advent theme uh, this year is uh, From Ruin to Redemption, as you've heard uh, in the video put out by Daniel. Thank you, Daniel. That was wonderful. And Mike announced that. Appreciate that. Uh, We chose that because 2020 has obviously been a year of refinement. Uh, Lord has been refining us, both as individuals and as a church. Difficult in many ways, yet as we come to this Christmas season, we come with great hope. Now is not the time for despair. Now is the time for eager anticipation for what the future has to to bring for us as individuals and as a body here. We look forward to those days with great eagerness. He is writing our story. We've come to this new chapter in our life as a church, as Shane uh, will be coming on here in January and and looking forward to uh, our life together. And we're reminded that we're just a greater or a, a little part in his great and grand story of redemption. The story of the Bible is a story that again and again takes us from ruin to redemption. It takes hopeless uh, situations, circumstances full of pain, and God somehow orchestrates redemption from the ashes of ruin. So we decided to highlight a few of the stories of these uh, from ruin to redemption from the genealogy of Jesus, from his ancestors here this Christmas season. We all know the stories, and we're going to highlight a few of them with this ruin to redemption theme. Now, last week we looked at Adam's story that great story of ruin to redemption from Adam to the second Adam being Christ. Today we look at the story of Abraham, one of my favorite characters in the Old Testament. Abraham's story is a story of grief and of hopelessness that turns into a story of joy, of promises fulfilled, a true ruin to redemption story. And so this story is found we, uh, all throughout the scriptures, but we're going to read just one verse here at the beginning of this message, Matthew 1, 1. Matthew starts this genealogy in his gospel with Abraham. He says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. In the scriptures, Abraham is held up as an example of a man who received the promises of God even through great difficulties and trials. He continued to believe the promises of God even though he said no physical evidence that they were coming true. He is a paradigm of trust and steadfast endurance. Now, he, didn't, he wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, nor was his faith perfect. But the overarching theme 
of his life, one of his chief characteristics was that he trusted God in the midst of difficult days. And he took him at his word. He believed the promises of God. And so my purpose tonight is to highlight Abraham's trust in God when things looked hopeless so that you and I might draw hope as well when things are looking bad for us and difficult for us that we can find hope in the promises of God. The promise of God uh, and the covenant of Abraham was threefold. God promised Abraham a land. He promised Abraham descendants without number. And he promised him a seed that would become the Redeemer who would be a blessing for the whole world. So we're going to look at these three promises. First of all, God promised Abraham a land that he would possess. In Genesis chapter 15, verses 18 and 19. Genesis 15, 18 and 19. It says, On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying, To your offspring I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. And Abraham believed God when he told him that he would be, his descendants would possess the land. He believed God for what he could not see with his eyes or even imagine in his mind. His journey to the fulfillment of the promise, got off to a rather strange start. You see, Abraham was a a citizen of Ur. This part of the story is told in Joshua 24. But it points out that Abraham was a pagan and an idolater. We don't know that he was in any way seeking God, the one true God, But God came to him and called him out of Ur. We don't know that he was looking for him at all. But God called him out of his paganism and into a relationship with himself. You know, Stephen, in the book of Acts, when he was making that great sermon before the Sanhedrin, spoke about Abraham in Acts chapter 7. He says this, he says, brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran, and said to him, Go out of your land, or go out from your land and from your kindred, and go into a land that I will show you. Now, that, that command is rather clear, but it's rather vague as well. God said, Leave. And so Abraham, a man of wealth and of means, packed up his bags, and took his whole family with him. He obeyed even though he didn't know where he was going. And that would be a pattern in Abraham's life. He obeyed even when he didn't understand what was going on. He didn't try to demand an explanation from God. Okay, you tell me what's going on and then I'll obey you. That's just not how it works. He obeyed. Abraham, then Abram, lived out his life as a wanderer living in tents. 
He would eventually live in the land that God would give to him. The land that God had promised him. But he was always an alien there, always a stranger. He owned a small burial plot, was the only land that he ever owned in Canaan. Furthermore, his son Isaac never owned any land in Canaan. Jacob, his grandson, never owned any land. And if you remember the story, Jacob, during a famine, followed his son Joseph down into Egypt, where his people, his family, would grow and prosper, becoming slaves for 400 years. And then Moses would lead them out, and eventually they would get back to the land of Canaan, and God's promise would be fulfilled. God's promise was fulfilled about 500 years after he promised Abraham, you'll own this. Difficult days for Abraham. Didn't see God's promise fulfilled in his lifetime. Yet he still trusted him and believed that God's word is true. The second promise that we see that God gave to Abraham was his promise of numerous descendants. In Genesis 13, beginning in verse 14, we read this. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes And look up from the place where you are, northward and southward, eastward and westward. For all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth. So that if one could count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. Did you hear in there that he said, your offspring will be as the dust of the earth? God promised Abraham and Sarah that they would be parents of many offspring. As numerous as the dust on the earth or the stars in the sky. Quite a promise. The only problem was is that they couldn't have kids. They had tried for so long, and they couldn't have any children. Now, let me give you a little bit of a timeline of Abraham's life, okay? When Abraham left Ur, he went to Haran. And there he tarried several years until his dad died. And then he moved on into Canaan. When he left Haran, he was about 75 years old. And his wife, Sarah, was at 65 years old. You might say they were a little old for children even then. God, it was at that time that God made his promise to Abraham that he would have from him offspring. That he would give them a son. 75, 65. Now, 10 years later, After Abraham had battled four kings, he was probably pretty tired. I would think you'd be tired if you're 75 years old and you had just won a battle, right? 
Maybe he felt like he needed to remind God something about what he promised him so many years ago. I can see him saying, you know, God, I've been waiting about 10 years for kids. In case you're counting, I'm 85, Sarah's 75-ish, and we still don't have any children. I could have been killed today. I was fighting four kings. What about your promise? To this, God said, Genesis 15, verse 4, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. He was talking about uh, a man who was a part of his household from Damascus, right? And Abraham said, Right now, he's going to be my heir. God said, This man's not going to be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward the heaven and the number of and number the stars if you're able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Eighty five years old. The text says, And he believed the Lord, and it was counted to him as righteousness. He simply believed. God had spoken and he trusted without any evidence. And in fact, everything, physical evidence pointing against what God said he was going to do. Abram would wait another 15 years after this promise before he and Sarah would have a child. 15 years, 25 years from the first time that he'd promised. That's a long time to believe against all odds. And yet he believed. It wasn't easy for him. If you notice in the scripture that Abraham, who we know as Abraham, his name was Abram to start with. The name Abram means the father of many. Now think about it for a moment. The land of Canaan where Abram lived was in the trade route between Egypt and everything to the north and east. Abram was a wealthy man. Scripture said that he has lots of livestock and lots of gold and silver. Furthermore, he camped around the wells, the water wells that were there. And so it's not any stretch in the imagination at all that the caravans would go by Abraham. And, and I'm sure they would eat together and they would uh, water their, their livestock and they would trade. And so when a new caravan would come through, they would introduce themselves and Abraham would say, My name, or Abram, my name is Abram. Father of many. And you see the guys look at him with approval. Ah, father of many. That is a good name. How many children, how many sons do you have, Abram? And Abram would have to say, none. Can you imagine the snickering? (laughs) Ha, father of many, father of none. Wonder about his servants. Every time they said the name, Abram, father of many. I wonder if they snickered. But if it wasn't bad enough, 
matters would get even worse. Sometime before Isaac was born, God told Abram that you're no longer going to be called Abram, father of many. And Abram probably breathed a sigh of relief. Won't have to explain that again. Then God said, you will be Abraham, father of many nations. And so Abraham got up off his knees, said, yes, Lord. And he went out to his servants, called a staff meeting, and said, you shall no longer call me Abram, but you should call me Abraham, father of many nations. Do you know how hard that'd be? After believing the promise for so many years, facing the ridicule of all, and yet Abraham believed and trusted. You see, that's what faith does. It believes the impossible. Abraham did not ignore the facts. He was no fool. He was not delusional. He knew that a hundred-year-old man shouldn't be having kids. But on the one hand, he weighed the impossibility of God breaking, breaking His promise in an impossible situation, and He chose to believe God's promise. You know, I think it's important for us to consider, because you and I may be facing impossible situations, difficult days. Please remember that God's Word is always true, period. Regardless of what your feelings tell you, determine to believe and to trust that God's word is true and stake your life on it. Abraham lived a long time without seeing God's promise fulfilled and his faith wavered at times, but he believed God and was steadfast in it. So God promised Abram or Abraham, a land, many descendants, but he also promised him a seed, a redeemer. The greatest test of Abraham's life was not uh, living in a tent all of his life. And it wasn't even waiting 25 years for God to keep his promise about sending him a son. But the greatest test of Abraham's faith came after Isaac had been born it's not hard to imagine how much Abraham loved his, his son. I know uh, I was born to older parents, and, and so I can imagine how Abraham and Sarah doted on Isaac. How grateful Abraham was that God had given Isaac to them. And then came that fateful day when God said, Abraham, I want you to take your son, the child of promise, to Mount Moriah and there sacrifice him to me. Can't imagine what Abraham went through that night, that sleepless night, but you know what? The next morning, he got up and he left for Mount Moriah. God was testing Abraham's faith. And Abraham didn't know that he was being tested. He didn't know what was going on. He just knew what God had said. 
What God was saying to Abraham is, Abraham, do you trust me? That's what he was saying. Do you trust me, Abraham? Now let me pause here in Abraham's story and remind you that God tests your faith and mine. He tests your faith in his promises. Saying, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Thank God he doesn't test us in the specific way that he tested Abraham's faith. But he tests us nonetheless. He puts us in situations, in trials, in difficult relationships for the purpose of exercising your faith. To share your faith, to prove your faith. First Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. We should expect difficult days. It's not a matter of if, but when your faith will be tested. The story of Abraham and his call to sacrifice his son Isaac is written to encourage us to stand firm And strong in the promises of God. Trusting him that he will do what he says. Now let's look at Abraham's faith. I I think this is something that, that stood out to me that I want you to recognize about Abraham's faith. As I told you, he said, go to Mount Moriah to sacrifice Isaac, to kill him and, and offer him as a sacrifice. Well, Mount Moriah was three days journey from where Abraham was. There is a nugget found here that I think is important. Abraham had three days to ponder what God was doing. And that's exactly what it says that he does. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 19 says he considered that God was what God was doing. He considered. This word considered, we get the word, our word logarithm from. Actually, logarithm is the transliteration of this original word. It means to calculate and to compute. You see, in that three-day journey, Abraham was thinking. He brought all his power of reasoning and logic to bear to consider every aspect of this situation. He was extremely logical, almost mathematical. In how he reasoned. And as he analyzed his situation. And he poured over the ramifications. And the implications of what was happening. He turned over in his mind. Over and over again. Asking the question. What is true? What do I know to be true? Well he must have asked. uh, Said well I know. That God gave me Isaac. That Isaac is the son of promise. That he promised me. Abraham knew that from Isaac, the whole world would be blessed and that many offspring would come from Isaac. And he knew that God was trustworthy to keep his promise. And he knew that there was no limit upon what God could do. So he reasoned, because God's word is true and his promise always stands... 
that if he plunged that knife into the chest of his son, God would just have to raise him from the dead. He reasoned and thought that has to be true. So he was willing to obey. Listen, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 19. He said he considered logarithm, right? He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. That's faith in the promises of God. That's believing and trusting we read in the story that when Abraham was, had his arm lifted, ready to plunge it into the chest of Isaac, an angel stopped him. And a substitute was found, a ram stuck in the thicket. And the ram was sacrificed instead of Isaac. You see, we see in the story of Abraham, his willingness to sacrifice his son, a picture, a parable, if you will, of what our father did when he offered up his only son to die as a sacrifice for you and for me. In Abraham's story, his hand was stayed. A substitute was found, but in redemption's story, we know that there was no substitute to be found for God's own son. Jesus died. A sacrifice for many. I believe that it was at this point that Abraham understood about Jesus. He understood about the Redeemer to come. And in fact, he foresaw the Redeemer to come. In this great drama that was played out up on Mount Moriah. I think God gave him a vision of Jesus, the Messiah. Listen why I say so. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 7, it says, And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. Now, the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. Now, I love how Paul writes this. He says, it does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. When God promised the Redeemer... To Abraham, he said there was one to come. One who would be a redeemer. Who would bless the nations. Now listen to John chapter 8. If you remember back, not too long ago, or maybe a real long time ago, we were in John 8, verse 56. Jesus, talking to the Jews of the day, said this. Your father Abraham rejoiced. That he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you're not 50 years old and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. I think in this great drama up on Mount Moriah, when there a sacrifice was found, uh, found for Isaac, that somehow... God showed Abraham the day when Jesus would come. 
and redeem for himself a people. And Abraham saw it. And he was glad. He gave him hope for the future. And he believed God and took him at his word. Guys, we don't know what God is doing in these crazy times that we live in. Who'd have thought a year ago we'd be all scattered out over this auditorium wearing masks? We don't know what come is coming. We don't know why we're here. We may know fewer answers about what He is doing with us as individuals and the trials that we face, but whatever we face, if we learn nothing from the story of Abraham, is that we can trust God. Take Him at His word and believe Him. Faith is believing the word of God and acting upon it even when everything that I see around me tries to tell me that it is not true. That's what faith is. When going through difficult days, ask yourself, what do I know to be true? Think about consider and and logarithm. Calculate. What What do I know to be true about God? What do I know to be true about myself? What has He promised me? And stand firm. John Calvin wrote this about Abram. He said, let us remember that we are all in the same condition as Abram. Our circumstances are all in opposition to the promises of God. He promises us immortality and yet we are surrounded by mortality and corruption. He declares that he accounts us as just, yet we are covered with sins. He testifies that he is benevolent toward us, and yet outward signs threaten that he is wrath. What then are we to do? He writes, we must close our eyes Disregard ourselves and all things connected with us so that nothing may hinder or prevent us from believing that God is true. May we by faith believe that God is true. Let's pray.